You're listening to the sermon cast of First Presbyterian Church Spartanburg. To watch the full video of this worship service and to learn more about the ministries of our church, visit us online at fpcspartanburg.org. We hope you enjoy the message. Second reading on this All Saints Sunday comes from the letter to the Ephesians, the first chapter beginning with the 11th verse. Let us continue listening now for a word from God. The author writes, In Christ we have also obtained an inheritance, having been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes all things, according to his counsel and will, so that we who were the first to set our hope on Christ might live for the praise of his glory. And him you also, when you had heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and had believed in him, were marked with the seal of the promised Holy Spirit. This is the pledge of our inheritance toward redemption as God's own people, to the praise of his glory. Now I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love toward all the saints. And for this reason, I do not cease to give thanks for you as I remember you in my prayers. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you a spirit of wisdom and revelation as you come to know him. So that with the eyes of your heart enlightened, you may perceive what is the hope to which he has called you. What are the riches of his glorious inheritance among the saints and what is the immeasurable greatness of his power for us who believe according to the working of his great power. God put this power to work in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. And he has put all things under his feet and has made him the head over all things for the church, which is his body the fullness of him who fills all in all. Friends, this too is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today's sermon is titled, Paper Clouds. Let us pray. Gracious God, Stay not overhead of us, but rather come to dwell with us. Come now, O Holy Spirit, into this time and into this space and into these your gathered people, that through your work, O God, the words of my mouth and indeed the meditations of all of our hearts gathered here in your sight would be pleasing and glorifying to you. For you and you alone are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Over the years, I have come to believe that one of the most wondrous and yet at the same time difficult privileges of ministry is to officiate at the funeral of someone who you do not know. It's hard, of course, because 
Oftentimes you have little and sometimes even no personal firsthand knowledge of that person's life. So you are left to rely solely on the, on the recollections of others and those recollections sometimes line up and other times leave you wondering if you're meant to be reading between the lines. If perhaps there's something behind the sadness in the eyes of those you gather with. And yet at the same time, it is this wondrous, and that's the only word I have for it, wondrous privilege to stand before a gathered body and to proclaim for that individual the same good news that you proclaim for your family, for your friends, for the saints of the church, the good news that Christ lived and died and rose to new life again for that life and for that person. A few years ago, I officiated at the service of a child of a church member. Her son, who I never knew, lived in another state. A young father died suddenly and tragically. What I remember about that service is looking out from where I stood and seeing the eyes of his mother, that church member. And her eyes seemed to bore into me the entire time I was speaking. And in her eyes, I read a single question. Is it true? It was as if she was looking at me and trying to read between the lines of my own words to find out if I really believe this gospel that I proclaimed was true for her son. This person who I never knew. You know, it's interesting to me that the author of this letter to the Ephesians, to this church, potentially churches, it's unclear in the letter whether or not it's addressed to a single congregation or perhaps a group of churches, but it's interesting nonetheless that this author is addressing his letter to people who he does not know. Did you hear that line? I think it's verse 15. He says, I have heard of your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. Not I have seen or witnessed for myself your faith. I have heard from others about your faith in Christ. He doesn't know the people personally who he is writing to. And so it comes as no surprise then that this introduction to his letter, these opening verses we've just read, they're not terribly personal in nature, are they? They tend to speak instead of these universal themes of the gospel. Some scholars would use the language cosmic. The language here in these verses which we have just read are cosmic in nature, speaking about who God is the character of God that we have glimpsed in Jesus Christ, right? Listen again, just to some of that language and Christ, the author opens, we have obtained an inheritance. We've been destined according to the purpose of him who accomplishes not some things, but all things. And then later on, he says that in Christ, we have found immeasurable greatness of his power. Do you hear those big themes, that cosmic reality that the author of this letter seems to be pointing to 
He's writing here to his audience, reminding them of the fullness of God's power in Jesus Christ. Power that is so full, it has conquered even the grave. He's writing to them saying, as God's saints, and remember in the New Testament, when they talk about saints, they're not just talking about those who have come before. They're also addressing those in the here and in the now. Saints is referring to anyone living who has heard the gospel and responded positively. The author of this letter is saying, as God's saints live in that light of the fullness of God's power. Right? For anyone sitting out there in the church of Ephesus or the church today, the author seems to be saying, who is wondering, is it true? You bet it is, he says. So live your life in that hope. I taught back in September and October at our Wednesday night gatherings for six weeks on the Psalms of Ascent. And one of those nights we had conversations around our, our tables about the difference between optimism and hope. We talked about how optimism is this sort of surface level belief that tomorrow might be better than today because it's in our power to make it so. Right? We can be optimistic about what is still ahead because we are the ones who can make it better. That's surface level. Hope, though, hope in the context of our Christian faith is something so much deeper, so much more rugged. Hope as followers of Jesus Christ is this bedrock understanding that even if tomorrow is no better than today, even if tomorrow in fact is worse than today, we still have hope in our anchor, Jesus Christ. Because in Christ we have met a God who goes with us into those hard places. Hope is what allows us to endure those days that never seem to get better. Hope is something deeper. Live in that kind of hope, the author of Ephesians writes. Live in that light as disciples of Jesus Christ. It makes me think about how today on All Saints Sunday, It is, yes, about remembering. As part of our worship in just a few moments, we are going to remember the names of those saints of this church who have died in the past year. We're going to remember and give thanks for their lives. It's about that today, yes. And it's also about proclaiming that gospel truth that we claim for those individuals as well as for ourselves, that Christ lived and died and rose again for them But you know, I think All Saints Day is also about something more. I think it's a call to live with renewed hope for what is still yet to be, right? Because so much of our our world today, and you don't have to look far to see it, so much of our world is predicated on this idea of, of death. Right? The world tells us that, that we should live in fear because this is it. From the moment you are born to the moment you die, that's the time you got. So stake your claim. 
Hoard whatever it is you have because that's all you're going to have. The world tells us, raise your flag, whatever flag that is. Establish your dominance. Practice supremacy because this is all you got. That's what the world tells us, isn't it? That's what the headlines scream every single day. The headlines may change, but it's the same story, folks. But Jesus... Jesus, the author of Ephesians, wants us to remember, says no. No. Right? The fullness of life, according to Jesus, the fullness of God's power, in other words, it is found not here on earth, but in him. The fullness of life, Jesus says, is found in me. And the power in me, Jesus says, is greater even than death itself. So place your hope, Jesus says. Your hope past, your hope today, and your hope to come. Place your hope in that truth. Place your hope in him. past week, I've been spending a good deal of time thinking about Rich Geldner. Rich Geldner was among Aaron and my very first friends on St. Simon's, the place that we lived before answering a call here just earlier this year. Rich, in fact, was the chair of the search committee that called me to that church on St. Simon's. Thinking about Rich and Sandy, especially because of the photos that pop up on your phone. You all have that now. It digs into your photo library, and whenever a date comes around, it pulls photos from that date in the past and shows them to you. Well, this whole last week, these photos kept popping up of Rich and Sandy's front porch. You see, we had this tradition for the last nine years before this year, save 2020, of beginning our Halloween on the porch of Rich and Sandy Geldner. They'd always have food and fellowship, and then you'd go out into their neighborhood, which was effectively the Converse Heights of St. Simon's, chaos. Depending on how deep you went in these photos, it was fascinating to me because you could almost see the trajectory of our family, right? The very first one was just Aaron and me and the dog. And then the next year there was a stroller. And then the next year a wagon and another stroller. And then eventually, more recently, last year, there were two full-fledged trick-or-treaters in addition to Aaron and me and Gordy the dog. Rich and Sandy were at the top of the list of people who I knew I had to visit with before announcing to that congregation in January my sense of call to a new place, to a new church. I wanted them to hear it from me and not in an email. As we visited there in their living room, there was this There was this deep undercurrent of sadness. Because as we talked, we all recognized that the unspoken truth of the matter was my sense of call 
to a new place meant that I would not be their pastor when Rich died. For five years, Rich had been dealing with a diagnosis of cancer. It began as esophageal cancer and then spread to other things. There were ups and downs, as anyone here who has or is facing that journey knows. But by the beginning of this year, it was clear that it was near time. Earlier this week at our presbytery meeting, that's a a gathering of churches, Presbyterian churches in our region. Right before lunch, uh, they handed out these paper clouds um, to everyone who was there. And they, they asked us to write down the name of a saint who we were thinking of on that All Saints Day. And I wrote down Rich Geldner's name. I don't know if it's up there or not. You couldn't really read it well. Is it there? Paper cloud. And I wrote Rich's name on that cloud. Not because Rich was one of those people in my life who always asked the best questions. Not because Rich was one of the few people who would actually speak the hard thing to me when I needed to have the hard thing spoken. It wasn't just because Rich always seemed to know exactly when I needed an invitation to lunch with him. It wasn't even because we had so loved every one of those Halloweens on their front porch. The reason I wrote down Rich's name on that cloud was because in him I found a person who was not always optimistic. There was no knowing whether the next day was going to be better than the last. And oftentimes, frankly, the days got worse before they got better. Rich was not the most optimistic person I knew. But Rich was the most Hopeful. Every time I looked at Rich and he could read in my eyes that question, Rich, after all you have faced, is it really true? Every time Rich's answer came back and the way he lived his life, you bet it is. That it is, was the answer Rich gave me all the way to the end. See, friends, the world in which we live, it needs people, yes, but it also needs communities. It needs communities that live with that kind of hope. The kind of hope that the author of Ephesians offers to that church. It needs churches that live now with that kind of hope. So today we say thanks be to God for all of those paper clouds in each of our lives and in the life of this church. Indeed, we say, thanks be to God for those saints, those saints who we know and those saints who we may never know, but those saints whom God knows every single one.
Today we say thanks be to God for those saints who show us the path to a hope-filled and hopeful tomorrow. Amen.